Hello and welcome to Sunday Night Conversations presented by Netting Pros. Netting Pros specializes in your in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting and padding for your college baseball programs all around the country. Next time your field or facility needs something new, whether that be netting, wall padding, L screens, or ball carts, make sure you check out our good friends at Netting Pros. So thrilled to be doing this again year three. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney, and uh, thanks to the guys at Netting Pros. So cool to see them at the convention this year, and they have been the, uh, the sponsor every year, so it's really cool. So here's what we're doing. Sunday Night Conversations is, these are college baseball discussions, and you know, we always hear from the main head coaches in college baseball, so this has been a fun way for me to have discussions with the guys that I'm, I'm sure the, the main head coaches in college baseball are wonderful. I'm sure they would like to talk to the media less. They would like less time in front of microphones. So here we here, here you are, guys. We're, we're, we're doing you a favor. So I wanted to do some fun themes this year, and this might be the most fun of the themes we thought of. So these three gentlemen, we've got Mike Clement, the hitting coach at Ole Miss. We've got Ross Kivett, the hitting coach at Houston. And we've got Blair DeBoard, who's got like a 17-word title <laughs> at Mizzou. He is the Associate AD for Development and Strategic Initiatives, which means that that is hashtag you're Call a very ad, college admin for you. Like <laughs> so great. So what these three gentlemen have in common is that they were members of the 2013 Kansas State team that won the Big 12. And, you know, why is that a big deal? Kansas State had not won a conference championship in baseball since 1933. So that was an 80-year gap. Uh, you know, the Big 12 has always been a power conference in baseball. But I actually pulled up the standings. I mean, you're talking about Kansas State that year. These guys won the league by three games. And, and you know, it's Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Baylor uh, coming off a really nice run. Kansas, TCU, who was about to go to four straight Omahas. Texas Tech was about to go on on their big run. Tim Tadlock had just gotten there. And, you know, Texas was coached by Augie Garrido at the time. And obviously we know the, the caliber of that program. So, you know, just an incredible season. So th this, these are and, and it, it's not just that team. These three guys have done some incredible things in their career ever since then. So, boys, it's great to have you. Here's what I want to do. Clem, I'm going to start with you. If you guys don't mind, just, you know, take us. I, I want you to introduce yourself kind of in this context how did you get to this Kansas State program and team so so take us from where you grew up to you know Clem your intro will be a little bit longer here because obviously you were coaching at the time but take us from where you grew up and how you ended up at Kansas State yeah quickly uh grew up in Marshalltown Iowa so so Midwest guy um played division played junior college baseball on to division two baseball both in the state of Iowa um Found out really early, like as a 10-year-old in the backyard, I had a six-year-old brother that played in the big league. So at 10, I found out that I was going to coach because my brother was way better than me. Um, and so I started thinking about coaching at that point. Uh, my coaching career, at least at the Division One level, started at UTSA in San Antonio. Um, was fortunate to be there at the right time and uh, was there for four years. Won a couple Southland Conference championships and um, had a great run. From there, I was the volunteer assistant at Texas A&M for three years, um, was fortunate to be there with Rob Childress and Justin Seeley, Matt Deggs, Andy Sawyers, um, went to Omaha in 2011. We had a great run there. Um, and that, and, and then after the 12 season coach Hill at, at Kansas state hired me, um, to be the hitting coach at Kansas state. So that 13 season was my first season at Kansas state, um, walked in, walked into a pretty good situation. I won't, I won't get into what may be your next question uh, about our club and all of that, but uh, that's, that's my brief, that's my brief bio. So let me fill in that Clem. So your brother obviously is Jeff Clement was a first round pick. The only thing I can remember your brother doing wrong was he picked the wrong school coming out of high school. He went to USC instead of Arizona state, but we, we forgive and we don't forget, but we do forgive. Um, and your dad needs to be mentioned. Your dad, Brad was a, you know, incredible coach uh, in his own right, CEO of Perfect Game. So your dad was a high school coach for how many years, Clem? I think he was the head coach at Marshalltown High School for 13 or 14 years, was an assistant prior to that, um, but won three state championships, is in the Iowa High School Baseball Coaches Association Hall of Fame. And um, we don't need to give him more kudos than, than <laughs> he needs, but uh, he was a, a legendary high school coach in the state of Iowa for sure. And who was your boss at UTSA? Who was the head coach at the time? The head coach there was Sherman Corbett. So uh, Coach Corbett was a left-handed pitcher, pitched in the big leagues um, with the Angels. 
played at Texas A&M. Uh, assistant was Jason Marshall, who who ended up becoming the head coach at, at, at UTSA. Um, great run there. It was awesome. That's great. Uh, Blair, you go next. Where you, Kind of where you grew up and how you ended up at Kansas State. Sure. Um, well, I'm, I'm actually from Manhattan, Kansas originally. So um, I grew up in Manhattan, Kansas, going to football and basketball, baseball, like anything um, at the university. Uh, and a lot of our summers, I mean, really every summer, basically from when I was eight years old, we would go up to Rosenblatt in Omaha. So some of the teams that you coached with, Runes, I, I saw them there. Um, and that kind of cemented to me that not, you know, that that I wanted to play in a program that I felt like could play in Omaha, right? I think that was always the dream. I think some of my teammates probably, their dream was to play in the big leagues. I, I obviously wanted to play in the big leagues, but to me, like playing in Omaha was like the pinnacle of the bait. Because, I, I mean, I still remember – watching Mark Pryor, you know, and we'd, we'd print out the draft sheet of like who had gotten drafted and we'd like have the baseballs and hunt them down. Right. Uh, That's awesome. You know, and, and then, and then on the Tuesday midweek games. Uh, so we normally go early and then we'd catch the Tuesday games. And so you'd have like a, uh, an elimination game early and we'd always move down and, you know, can we rub your bat for good luck and that kind of stuff. So that was like, I, I wanted to do that. Um, so when I got into high school and was being recruited. I actually signed to junior college um, and I was being recruited by some other schools too in the region. And that, that was the year that K-State went to their first regional and it was just different. Like it, it was like K-State had always been trying to fight um, in baseball. And I think probably there was a pull too to stay home because, you know, Bill Snyder had, you know, built this incredible monster of a football program kind of out of the rubble of out of nothing. And, um, I just thought it would be really special to stay home and be part of something that was bigger than myself. And so that's, that's kind of how I ended up at K-State. That's awesome. Uh, two follow-up questions. How far is it from Manhattan, Kansas to Omaha? Is that? Uh, it takes about three hours. Oh, nice. So, you know, yeah. You, you go up through like rural, rural Northeast Kansas, and then you hit uh, Beatrice, Nebraska and grab yourself a Runza. Uh, and then you keep going, you know, it's a, that's it's awesome. a great drive. It's really easy. It's a great drive. And your family is from Manhattan, Kansas, or did you have parents that got jobs at KSU? Or yeah, so we're so so my parents are from from a small town. Both of them are from a small town in northeast Kansas called Centralia, Kansas, um, and it's kind of claim to fame is it is the home of John Riggins, um, you know, the, the former football yeah. Hall of Famer, I think. Um, and so they both went to K State. A lot of my family went to K State, um, and so it was just a really cool. Uh, five years of my life, having a lot of family that could come to games and watch. And, you know, I, I think, I think that was probably the most special part of, of my career was, was being able to play in, in the community I grew up in for the school that I had grown up watching. Um, and then having the type of success that we did and, and being part of that on the field was pretty special. That's awesome. And you touched on something, Blair, like, this needs to be said, too, I think. Kansas State had never been to the NCAA baseball tournament until yeah. 2009. And so kind of like that group right before your guys' group, you know, I remember, I mean, Rob Vaughn, now the coach yeah. at Alabama, was the catcher on that team. A.J. Morris was a famous pitcher on that team. I think Nick yeah. Martini was a yeah. really good bat on that yeah. team. I actually saw those guys beat Mike Leak in Arizona State yeah. that year. And, I mean, that was, that was Cole Calhoun. That yeah. was Jason Kipnis. That was – Saw that in surprise. Yeah. Uh, I just remember, I, I remember that year going to games and just feeling like it was different. Like the, mm -hmm. you know, and Coach Hill was always a very offensive um, minded head coach and, and Coach Sawyers was there and he brought like kind of the same offensive mentality that Coach Clem and, and Coach Deggs and all those guys run that, that Wolfpack mentality. And you could just feel it was just different. Um, and it was something that, that at the time I want to be part of. That's awesome. Kiv, go ahead. Yeah, so my story is a little bit different. Um, I grew up playing hockey, not much of a baseball player, and Clem would argue probably still wasn't much when I got there. Um, but um, grew up just playing in the backyard in the summers because I was sick of the rink. And uh, I went up – I went to St. Edward High School um, in Cleveland, Ohio, and that's when I started to really play. So my first year of high school, I did a hockey camp in – 
Brockville, Canada, which is the province of what's that Ontario? Cause it's outside of Toronto. And uh, I got hit and I lost half my bicep. So I decided that this was probably not the sport for me. And when I got back to St. Ed's, uh, the baseball coach was Danny Alley. So Stetson Alley was a high pick out of, out of St. Ed's. Travisky was one of my best buddies, um, was a high pick for the then Indians um, in 2010. They're like, dude, you got to play on the the baseball team. Well, I didn't make the varsity team like Blair did. Um, So my first (laughs) two years, my first two years, I didn't like baseball, but what was keeping me going was the summer ball team I played on was a local team, not one of the you know, premier travel teams, but it's called Diamond Boys out of Akron, Ohio. And uh, some of my best buddies are on there. So that kind of kept the the fire going through through hockey season, which ultimately led to the Cabo World Series where uh, Sean McCann, who put together the majority of that group, no, not the, you know, just to give him a little shout out, uh, was there watching Shane Conlon because he was the superstar left-handed hitter out of top tier in Chicago. And we played each other. And, uh, since Conlon was already committed, I think McCann was just trying to verify the receipts. So he uh, he offered me a, a, a scholarship to come down, and I had never heard of Kansas State before in my life. Um, it happened to be the same year that Michael Beasley was one and done there. So I'm going on a visit to the school. I don't know who Bill Snyder is, but he's coming back, and it's his first game back, and I'm on a visit, and I see Blair, and I'm like, okay. Uh, and then we, you know, we move on to the next part. He's like, I'm not sure about going there. But. Yeah, I was like, I, man, they'll let anybody play here. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, after after that visit, um, they Kansas State started to like pop up and everything that you know Michael Beasley and they make a run and in, in the NCAA tournament, like the Elite Eight, I think that year, Blair and um, you know Brad Hill was really good to me on the visit, and they didn't treat me like I was a hockey player playing baseball. They treated me like. I was a baseball player. So I said, Hey, this is, this is the spot I feel the most love. And this is where I want to go. And my mom, whose uh, parents were first generation, she did not want me to go 13 hours from home. And she also, I don't know. And I love her. I don't know if she knew where Manhattan Kansas. Well, she definitely didn't know where Manhattan Kansas was. I was, she could probably point Kansas on a map, but it was too far away from home. And uh, Mike Kivett, Ended up laying the uh, the wood on that one and saying, "Hey, he's going to go there because the conference is a little bit bigger than the other options." So that's, awesome. that's what ended up, you know, bringing me to Kansas State. That is so cool. Uh, Kiv, where are your parents from? Like, where are they? So my dad was Army. Uh, he was born in Southern Illinois. He bounced around Kentucky, Indiana, Northern Illinois, Michigan, and then ultimately in Ohio. My mom, and so my mom's parents and. Three of my uncles were born overseas. They came over to Maple Heights, Ohio, which is just a suburb outside of Cleveland. And that's where my parents met. So grew up in Cleveland the majority of their, their lives. Awesome. And St. Ed's is like one of those big, like I think about that schools. Is there another one, St. Ignatius or something like that? Like these yeah. are big athletic powerhouse type of schools, correct? Powerhouse. That's a great Preppy. word for it. Prep, prep, powerhouse. <laughs> yeah, no free ads, but man, that's a powerhouse. <laughs> that's awesome very cool all right boys let's do this so and um let's go we're gonna go in reverse order so kiv i'm gonna come back to you so tell me your role on the 2013 team and then also tell us like kind of how where you were in your career at kansas state you know meaning like hey i was a junior and my freshman year this is kind of how it played out my sophomore year so kind of tell us about where you stood in the 2013 team and what your trajectory to get there was Sure. Yeah. Um, my freshman year was a good group. Like you said, I mean, Evan Marshall was a big leaguer, Nick Martini, James Allen, um, Blair. 2011 was your freshman year. Yeah. And, and that was the third straight regional for Kansas state at that point. It, it was coach had it, had it rolling. And, uh, um, it, it was a gr- it was a really good group. And this is kind of how green I was without knowing runes was, I didn't know how many, there was a travel roster. I, I didn't know awesome. that. And I'm sure, Clem, we talk about it. I'm sure there's some kids that don't know that still, but I had no clue. So the fall, I'm like saving the body. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to crush this boot camp and I'm going to make sure that I don't swing out of the zone. But like the bat speed staying for the spring because that's that's where you get paid. That's great. And uh, you, you don't necessarily make the team. I learned that, too, because Andy Sawyers sat me down after my first fall and was like, hey, this group is really good. 
It's been to two regionals in a row for the first time ever. And uh, if you don't swim with bat speed, there's this place called Hutchinson, Kansas. And, you're gonna- <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. What what does that mean? <laughs> That's awesome. So, so Conlin, who was my roommate, calls me and he's like, "Hey, that means they're going to send you to junior college if you don't play better." And I was like, "Okay, sure thing." Um, but long story longer, that that year was really really successful. Um, I didn't play the first twenty five games uh, of the year. I just sparingly at bats, maybe 10, 13 at bats, and then we were playing Creighton um, on a midweek, and I was going in there to bunt, and I popped up the first two bunts foul and slapped a, a patented six hole, like seven eleven shot for, for an RBI single. Cause there's a runner at second and no outs. And uh, Brad just kept putting me in there av- ever since. So my role, my freshman year was just to contribute with a quality at bat and not mess it up on defense. But um, like I heard you guys chatting, uh, you thought I was on mute, but I heard you Blair, you guys were talking about, I was a little emotional and a little dramatic um the freshman year and uh got hurt late so the regional um we faced mark appel and it didn't go well and really hurt with a high ankle sprain so um didn't get a chance and that was really frustrating so the next year which would be 2012 season uh we had just got through i mean let's say december blair when we had coaching changes like crazy Yeah. And uh, and Coach Chef came in um, and it was and it was successful. We. No, no. Hold on. That was the freshman year when Coach Chef came in. Yeah. 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 Then then the following season yeah. we didn't make a regional. Right. And we, and we didn't play well. Right. And it was sophomore slump. And yeah. there was a lot of reasons why I didn't play good runes. And it was brought up to me from Clem, the first meeting I had with him. But I didn't play good. And all my older teammates, Blair got hurt. It was, it was just a, yeah. it was a year, right? It was mm-hmm. one of those years getting worn out pretty good. Um, and we finished, I want to say second last. No yeah. last. We, we last, last, last. Yeah. last. We made the tournament. Made I'm the- not great at remembering this, Mike. So just hang good. with me. Just this hang is great. With me. This um, is perfect. All I remember to get to junior year. So 2013 was my junior season. I showed up. Rest of the team shows up, and on the scoreboard was the rankings, or was Kansas State baseball last. So I should have remembered that because for 50 mornings in a row, I remember <laughs> looking at that, that we were last. So yeah. they had the standings from 2000 from 2012 oh, yeah. on the scoreboard. Oh yeah, and it Amazing. stayed on. Yeah. If you were driving to High V and you were just a normal <laughs> person, you saw we were saw. last. Yeah, it was amazing. not the best for recruiting i'm sure (laughs) (laughs) a little background on that uh that that was my first year first fall and coach hill is known for boot camps in the fall and we would get the guys up early and and run them a little bit and or a lot and and on we had a little ribbon board on the top of our scoreboard and during our coaches meetings going into that fall where they had finished in last place in the big 12 the year before he said 24 hours a day, I want the Big 12 standings running across from 2012 running across the scoreboard. Doesn't matter if someone drives by the field at 2 o'clock in the morning, but for sure when those guys show up at 6 a.m. to run, that's always going to be rolling across there. That's awesome. Kiv, Kiv, let me cap you there because I want to have Clem. Uh, Clem is – I want you to kind of – okay, your your first eyeballs. So let me do Blair first, and then Clem, when when you go, like think about – so you're meeting Kiv for the first time fall of his junior year and he's a guy that apparently made some noise as a freshman had a sophomore slump so Blair you go first give us kind of where you were in your trajectory at Kansas State and then Clem you're going to fill in the blanks yeah so um I came in uh in the fall my freshman year um didn't really know I mean I knew I could hit a little bit um but I wasn't ready to catch and I actually hit really well that fall and then when I got into when we got into the year um I pinch hit in in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and I had like a nine pitch at bat, and then I like hit a rope back up the middle. And I'm telling you, when I say like it is the hottest I've ever been offensively, I mean like it. I like it is the hottest I've ever been. Like I check swing hit, 
Like I hit it on the barrel, hit. I mean, it was unbelievable. A lot of those. Through, I mean, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. So through my freshman year, I was playing every day as a DH. And um, I mean, I remember, I, I, I tell this story a lot to like young players. Like we were playing at Oklahoma and we did not put our statistics on the board at K-State. And I stepped into the box on Friday night and I can't remember who's pitching, but I looked up at the board and I was hitting like 380. And I was like, you know what? I'm a pretty good player. And I think from that point, I might've got like three hits the rest of the time. I mean, like it was unbelievable. Um, and so, so I, I started really hot my freshman year. I, I ended up like last, uh, the Texas A&M series was our last series of the year. I got replaced as the DH. Um, they had tried to put me at, at, in left field and I just, I wasn't, I wasn't good enough to play there in college. I got burned a couple of times and they're like, no, you can't do that anymore. Um, and so like I went into the summer, like, and they, they had recruited, you know, and, and we had a really good catcher that was a senior at the time. His name was Daniel De La Sega. Um, and I wasn't going to start over him, but going into the next year, it was like, Hey, all right, game on, like your sophomore season, like, you know, you got to go win the job behind the dish. There was another guy on our team named Chase Goskowski or, or uh, Raskowitz. Raskowitz, on, not Goskowski. Right. Raskowitz. He played division uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Chase Raskowitz. Uh, and Chase was a switch hitting catcher. And like Coach Hill loved switch hitters. And so I knew I had to like, you know, I had to like perform in the fall. Um, and then we also had a guy come in named Dan Klein from Hutch Juco that could like really rip it to second, right? So going into my sophomore year, I knew that like I had to really play well in the fall in order because because we had a lot of guys coming back. Jason King was hurt my freshman year and he was not hurt the second year. He's Jared an Ohioan King. too, right? Isn't yeah, he? yeah. Jared King, his brother was coming in who was committed to Tennessee and then decommitted and came to K State when Jason got hurt. So he played with his brother. I mean, we were stacked with hitters going into the next year, my sophomore year. And I think fortunately for my career, I tore my labrum in the fall. And so, like, I redshirted that year. So they went to the regional. That's when they played Mark Appel. Um, And that whole year, I just worked on, like, receiving because I felt like that was going to be the thing. Like, I needed to be a better catcher if I wanted to play Division One. I. I couldn't DH anymore. Um, and so when I came back, my redshirt sophomore year was the year that we were last place. Um, and I would either DH or, or, or catch with Dan Klein and then, Towards the end of the year, I started catching more, and Dan um, Dan was the H more. Um, and then, so fast forward to our to our what would be it was my redshirt June yeah redshirt junior year. Um, we showed up, and like there was like we showed up, and and um, I had kind of gotten some info from you know Taddy Justin Tadman. He was like, <laughs> hey dude, like you better be ready when you come back. Like, I'm just telling you, like, I'm not like a, I'm not one of those guys that can just show up and like, Hey, you're go on the I'm, lake, dude. You're I'm, on the lake. That's not me. Right. So I was, busting I'm in East Texas and I'm busting it before games. Like people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm telling you when I go back to school, like it is going to be like on. So I wanted to be ready. And I showed up, man. And, um, we all showed up and we, we walked into the first meeting and it was like we had on our on our seats, we had uh, shorts and like, you know, a shirt and socks and running shoes and cleats. And like we all sat down. So like three o'clock and Coach Hill just like laid it all out. He was like, we're not we took a step back. We're not going to take another step back. And at like four thirty, we all changed our clothes. And we walked out on the turf and we ran 300 yard shuttles and um, it was basically on from then. And he was like, nobody has any is we are ground zero. Like, and he was calling people out. He was like, Blair, I don't care how many like ABs you've had. Like we are starting ground zero, like Jared King. And he went around the room and like, that was, I give coach a lot of credit because he took a group of people that had had some success in their careers and and he like you know it was it's like that Bill Belichick type of stuff that like he reset like no you know Nick Saban all those all the really really good ones 
do that kind of stuff and they reset their teams every year. It doesn't matter. And I think baseball for some reason or another, I have felt like they kind of roll into the next year. It just feels like it kind of rolls. Um, and so that leads us up to that, that junior year, that really special year. It was like we were ground zero in the fall. That's awesome. Um, Runes, Runes, before Clem hooks this all up, because he's going to get us back on track here because he's the best at it. <laughs> when Blair talks about all the catchers, you notice that. He was bringing up all the catchers on the team. Yeah. Have you seen the Michael Jordan doc? Yeah. The... Blair used to just psych himself up like, oh, Dan Klein. <laughs> he texted Ellen. <laughs> he would make he would make stuff up so that he would be prepared for practice. Uh, oh, Not let anybody great. talk talk to me like that. No, Dan's like the nicest guy. I never, yeah, so that is great. Yeah, the nicest guy ever. Yeah, Blair's crushing him in his brain before. Yeah, yeah. That that's great, end. Blair. Be, Blair, that's what the Sanders kids are doing. Like uh, Shadur Sanders talking about yeah. how Matt Rule, who's like the nicest human alive, was. <laughs> disrespecting right. his dad it's like right. what your dad doesn't even know who matt rule is what do you yeah talking? right right exactly i mean like like yeah he i mean he is not wrong like that is that was real like the, the you know the competitiveness that comes out in those falls when you you know it's oh, great yeah. all right clem so i want you to tell us where these guys were like you know as i can view it on the box score um mm-hmm. you know kiv hit lead off played second base player uh the, the box score I'm looking at hit seventh and caught, but yeah, and it's your first year Clem and you know, they've made three straight regionals and snapped that streak with a dead last finish in the big 12. You come in. Um, yeah. Take it from here. Yeah. So <clears throat> a couple things as, as I lay the groundwork for walking into the season, it's a, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything. I don't, you know, I I'm walking in there and, and I have a little bit of background knowledge and probably a little skewed thought of Kansas state only because they all, I was at Texas A&M the prior three years. And so at that time, A&M's in the Big 12. And, and K-State had always played us really tough. And, and we never felt like they should have. Um, we're, we're talking about, you know, guys on our A&M team that are still playing baseball, you know, here 12 years later. Michael Walker, Ross Stripling, Tyler Naquin, some really, really good players. And K-State would, would always play us really tough. And so I always had this innate respect for for their program because they played really hard and that's all a product of brad hill like like blair talked about um they always played really hard were never scared wouldn't back down all of those things so i was excited to be a part of that he these guys have also talked about the groundwork that was laid and you're talking about some really quality coaches from you know sean mccann and andy sawyers John Chef, Rob Bond is the volunteer assistant, all names we've talked about oh, wow. through here. And so I'm walking in on the heels of that and feel pretty good about it. And I know from a roster standpoint, it's a bunch of, and this is completely biased because I grew up in the Midwest, but it's a bunch of Midwest kids that are older um, and that I've seen play quite a few games just because I competed against them. So I know there's a there's a level of talent walking walking into that thing. And we got an older group, which in college baseball, old wins. Um, and we certainly had that from a position player standpoint. And obviously that's who I'm working for, working with. The other part of it, Runes, is, and, and it goes probably not thought of, our administration, and, and, and I may have some of these guys wrong and these guys can correct me. I was only there, I was there less than two years. John Curry is our athletic director, who's now the athletic director at Wake, was at Tennessee, hired Tony at Tennessee, is a baseball guy, completely supportive of baseball. Chad Weiberg was there. He is now the athletic director at Oklahoma State, big baseball guy. Reed Sigmund, who probably gets underlooked uh, in the whole thing, is probably the, all of these guys would say the brains behind the operation, uh, who is also at Oklahoma State, but has been at Tennessee, uh, was at Kansas State then. Laird Veach, who's the athletic director at Memphis. And then our sport administrator was Casey Scott, who's still at Kansas State. But you, you start, and I'm probably missing some people, but you start talking about those five guys in particular that are baseball people. And this is at a school with like you, like you talked about very little baseball history. And so you walk into a situation where coach Hill um, has, has built most of the history in that program and, 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 and walk in there and, and have an older group with a great administration. I mean, a great baseball administration who are great administrators to this day at different places and I felt oddly good about it. And, and it did not take very long. And these guys were poking fun at each other about the conditioning and all of that. And I mean, 
it was as hard to follow as I've ever been a part of. But it was from a coaching standpoint, it did not take very long. It was very short time into the fall to know. And again, from from an offensive perspective, man, we got some guys. And so uh, I felt pretty good about it early on. Um, but there's still when you're when you're in a conference that runs north and south and, and you're one of the few north, uh, it's hard. You know, the league I'm in now basically runs east and west and we're all kind of geographically on on even footing. And in our sport, when when you're in a power five conference that runs north and south, uh, you always probably wonder a little bit and you better have guys with a chip on their shoulder that want to play really hard and, you know, use that. Um, which you can tell by talking to these guys that they use that. Uh, oh, Texas didn't want us, all of those kinds of things. So they would go into those series with a chip on their shoulder. And the beauty of that is from a motivation standpoint as a coach, there wasn't a whole lot of motivate. I had to oftentimes point these guys in the right direction, maybe in life too. But uh, from a from a playing standpoint, we never as a coaching staff had to light the fire to, to go play hard or, or any of that. So um, – when that is the foundation of, of how it started, it makes the coaching part of it pretty easy. And, and you know, we've all been a part of teams where when it gets rolling, and I'm sure this is your coming questions, but when it gets rolling as a coach, you make out a lineup, you try to point them in the right direction, and you try to stay the heck out of their way. So That's and awesome. we got to that point at some point in that season too. So, um, man, I felt pretty good about it early on just because I had a baseline knowledge of the players. And, and, and then I started to interact with the players and – uh, my coaching style is about relationships and these guys know that and spending as much time around each other and um, or as much time as the NCAA will allow and not a minute more. But um, we would we spent a lot of time in our indoor hitting facility together, especially the offensive players and created a bond. And um, those guys would would run through a wall for us. So it, it was it was pretty easy. Uh, looking That's awesome. Back. Really cool. Hey, Kev, so I'm going to come back to you. Hey, oh, go, hey, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, so. You were talking about like when you kind of knew. I remember in the fall sitting next to Brian Bobeer, who was our trainer at the time. And Brian had like been at Texas, I think, a couple times, had been in pro ball. And like, I didn't know, it was just like a normal K State fall, right? Guys I'd played with. And he was like sitting in the corner and I was getting ready to go out and catch or whatever. And he looks at me and he's like, Hey, I think we're pretty good. And I was like, Really? You think so? He's like, Yeah, yeah, like, like, like we're going to be pretty good, I think. Like, we might be one of the best teams in this league. And I was like, okay, dude. Like, yeah, right. Okay, whatever. Like, you know who's in this league? Um, but he turned out to be right. It was I, I always remember that when anybody talks about, like, what you were talking about, Clem. I remember that in the fall distinctly. Like, one conversation with Bo Beer where he was like, hey, I think we're going to be pretty good. I was like, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, I think we're going to be pretty good too. But, you know, yeah, yeah I'm a player. That's really right? cool. So, anyway. Hey, let me put a bow on the coaches. So, you know, Sean McCann is still on the staff at Tennessee, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, Andy Sawyers is the head coach at Southeast Missouri State. Rob Vaughn, we mentioned, head coach at Alabama now. John Sheff, head coach at Virginia Tech. Um, yeah, you mentioned John Curry, Clem. That's amazing. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. So, Kev, here's what I want to do next. So, we're going to get to the Super Regional. Um, but so, so, don't pick that. Okay. So I want you to pick a moment or a memory from the actual 2013 season and describe it. So a moment or a memory from, and, and that could be anything all the way up until the super regional, um, a moment or a memory from the 2013 season, the actual season. Oh man. I mean, it, the easiest one is, is the wild pitch where wit slides in and we go crazy and there's the photo. Um, and what is that? Is that you guys clinched the regular season? Yeah, that's when we clinched the regular season Big 12 title. And, and that day was awesome. But to be honest with you, I think Clem or Blair could do that one better. So I'm going to shock her, Clem. I'm going to pick a the, – the best moment for me personally was at Texas just because growing up, like, man, if I didn't know much about baseball, I wasn't a baseball guy really, but I knew Texas was good. And I knew Augie Garrido yeah. was like the dude. And I've seen all his videos and YouTube's popular. He's got a billion hits on one of his videos. And we are tied, Clem, tied. Blair's at first. Mm -hmm. And it got there's two outs, and we're facing, I mean, one of Texas is yeah. I think we were down one, actually. Yeah, my, actually it was down one. Yeah, we were down and one. And I hit an 0-2 pitch into the corner, and that's not the the storyline. The storyline is Blair scoring from first. 
And the amount of effort that Clem waving his arm, dislocating his shoulder, thinking that the faster he'd wave his arm, the faster Blair would run. And there's a sweet video of like sliding in the third because the play went to, to home, obviously. And seeing the entire bench out there, like with their hands on their head, Blair sliding in and Blair sliding in safe in his helmet doing this and doing the safe sign. Oh my gosh. And, and Clem forgot that I was on third and I was being an idiot and started to tiptoe down trying to score the, the another run just to be a hero for no reason and almost got back picked at third. And then he realized I was at third and started yelling at me to stay there, stay there. And um, that was probably the, the coolest moment personally for me that year besides the Super which game was that kid was that friday saturday that sunday friday night against texas so and you hooked it or you pounded it in the right no just slow pole the right got <laughs> love that. Deep. um and and a big leaguer in right field just bad angle mark payton shout out thanks for that oh mark and payton. uh yeah bad angle let blair score from first oh I thought, man i, I thought that. i thought that was I mean, I've never seen the Texas stadium so quiet. And uh, that's awesome. The, the next guy sack fly, or no, the next guy single up the middle. I think it was it was Wit, right? And yeah. he was just Tanner Wit had probably five or six two out RBIs that year that were enormous that yeah. go, you know, underneath the blanket or whatever. But um, that awesome. was a really cool moment, and I, I think that would probably be the one I picked besides the the actual clinching of the yeah. championship. Sweet, Blair, go ahead. What, what, what's one for you? So we were playing. Uh, we played Texas Tech at home on a Friday night, and it was Firework Friday. And, and we started it, selling beer that Yeah, that we started day. selling beer that day. Um, and, like, I don't know if many people know this, actually. I had a speech class. I can't remember if it was in the fall or the spring. And I had put a proposal together that I shared with Casey Scott. And my speech was about, like, why we needed to sell beer at K-State Baseball. And I'd done all this research about, all you know, all this kind of stuff. And I presented it to him. That's not why they did it, obviously. They didn't do it because of student athletes. It didn't hurt, though. Right, right. So um, we started selling beer. We had Firework Friday. And I think it might have been Dollar Hot Dog or something, too, that night. So anyway, they, like, did what great – Joni Smoller, who's the marketing person there, does what great marketing people do. They try to put good on good sometimes and, like, blow it out, right? So we had Texas Tech coming in. We got great weather. And I was catching the pin – to start the game, right? I was catching the pin with our starter before it. So I would always let him warm up, come down, catch the end of it, and then walk in with him. And I remember like catching the last ball and looking to my left and like Kimball Avenue goes down and like the fans line up. And there were people like all the way out to the football parking lot, all the way down the line. I was like, man, we're going to have a really good crowd tonight. Like, I hope we don't play terrible because it would be It's a beautiful (laughs) night. We got fireworks. Like, all this stuff's lining up. Like, we should we need to win this game, right? And we were still kind of not super hot yet. We, were, we might actually have been, like, a couple games over 500. Like, we didn't get super hot until later in the year. And um, I think John Davis or Fish. Who hit the, who Fish. Hit the walk-off? Fish. Yeah, so, so, Austin Fisher, uh, who's our shortstop, um, hit a walk-off that game i think tanner witt got thrown out in that game actually he's arguing a call at first base and the place was packed um i don't know we probably had and you know packed at old miss is you know twelve thousand people at k-state packed is three to four thousand but well, that's probably probably, probably amazing people. atmosphere yeah i mean it's amazing everybody's super close so you know like i think i think tanner gets called out at first you know he blows up gets tossed everybody now it's just like us against them and the umpires and uh fish comes through with a big knock to win it we dogpile fireworks are like going off afterwards we're watching on the side like you couldn't paint it any better and that was like when when i think about i when when we had our team reunion thing we had i gave a speech and what i i think that like if you were to make a movie of that year that would be like the kind of crescendo point that then they like you know they go to like this screen where they're counting up all the wins. Like that is the moment to me that really like broke the dam and we really started cruising. That's awesome. Really cool. Clem, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, one of us has to take the Oklahoma series. So, uh, you know, we started that year 10 and 10 and seven. And so, I mean, we were pretty pedestrian and, and to build off of what, what Blair said, we were just okay. 
um, rolling through there until we figured out how good we were. The players did. We keep in mind we finished the year forty-five and nineteen, and so we started the year ten and seven. And you start to do the math on that, and it's it's a pretty good run in there in, in conference play and all of that. Um, we sweep Kansas, the second to last um big 12 series and and so we're going into the final series which is a thursday friday saturday series because the big 12 tournament's starting on the back end um or the early the next week and because we swept kansas that the only team that could catch us as i recall was oklahoma well that's who we had and so if we won a game against oklahoma uh we win the league outright they had to sweep us um to tie but they would really kind of win it with the tiebreaker and all of that and so uh, i don't think it was until the bus ride from lawrence to manhattan which is a short ride after sweeping them that i'm kind of looking at my phone and kind of giving a wait a minute here like this is this is gonna happen oklahoma at that time was coached by sonny galloway um, Jonathan Gray was he Jonathan the ace Gray is there is their number one Dylan Overton is a left-hander that may have Big pitched pick. but yeah like a, a, a high pick and they're they're loaded they're really good um and a really oh man they're a fun team to play because of their coaching staff because of their players um it didn't take a whole lot to get up for that and so I believe it's a Thursday night game and and like Blair said some of the neatest memories of of that year is that in our first home series, whatever that would be in March, there there are 14 people in the ballpark because it's 38 degrees and, yeah. you know, sleeting and you got, you know, Blair's parents are always going to be there and a few other people and um, Robert, the super fan, you know, like you only got a few people there and a couple girlfriends. Um, and then to think about two and a half months later, and it's an 80-degree night, and we're trying to win the Big 12. And then keep in mind, football had won the Big 12 that previous fall. Basketball had won the Big 12 in the winter, and we're about to win the Big 12 for, like, two two schools have done that in a power conference in, like, 25 years. It's just something wow. crazy like that. Yeah, Stanford and Texas. And so, and so here we are, like, this is going to happen. And and like Blair said, we're hitting BP, and, and there are people just like in – in the tech series that Blair's talking about, there are people lined up everywhere and there may have been 3000 people there. And it, it felt like there were 120,000 people there because at, at our ballpark, everybody is on top of you there. You know, there are people where they're not supposed to be standing um, people hanging over the outfield wall, all the whole thing. Um, and we beat gray and, and, you know, he's the second or third pick of the draft. Um, and, and, and we walked them off that night. Uh, the place goes crazy. And then, and then I recall the speech I gave in the locker room that fell on deaf ears after that game. And so in the coaching thought in my head, not to ramble on too much is that we still have to win this in my mind, we need to win this series so we can host, you know, mm-hmm. that's the best way to get to Omaha and all of that. Well, these guys keep in mind, this is 10 and a half years ago. And so these guys are 21 years old, freshly. And, and so, I tell Coach Hill, I got this. I'm going to go in the locker room. And this is a little bit of, and I mean this completely complimentary, a renegade group. Um, so I walk in the locker room. And this is after celebration, trophy, autographs, people on the field, Gatorade on Coach Hill, the whole thing. Guys, listen up. And they respected me enough to be quiet. And that's about where the respect ended. And I said, hey, listen, <laughs> you guys, we need, to win. we need to win this series to host. And so – you guys can drink as much beer as you want when we get back from Omaha in June. But tonight is not the night for that. Like, we need to win one more game here. Um, man, did that fall on deaf ears. So they they came, uh, may not have slept, came back the next day. The fortunate thing is they may have invited a, a few of Oklahoma's players to go with them. And, and we, we sleepwalk as much energy as was in the ballpark the night before. We sleepwalk through the next day and win like a lazy – four to three game. And I probably celebrated as much after that game uh, from a coaching <laughs> standpoint, like looking at the RPI and all the stuff coaches do. Um, but man, just a fun group. Most of my memories are off the field and it sounds cheesy yeah. and like in the, in the batting cages and um, all stories that these guys would sit here and love to listen to, but people listening to us would shut off the podcast at this point. So um, 
those were most of my memories just because great. <laughs> the people that were in our locker room, just a special, special group. That's awesome. Clem, I'm going to have you start. So let's do the postseason because this will, we'll run out of time in the postseason. Yep. So I'm going to give you guys my perspective on this. So, you know, like Kansas state goes to three straight regionals. You're, you know, as a casual college baseball fan, um, you're, you know, it's like, okay, that's interesting. Um, and then dead last, you're like, okay, that's, that makes more sense. And then you guys have this incredible run, right? And it's a weird year in the league because Texas finishes dead last and it's Augie Greedo. And you're, it's, you know, you're trying to figure this out, but you guys win it definitively, three games. So you get to host and, you know, there's always this thing about first time hosts tend to struggle. And you guys, your regional is not like front and center nationally, but you kind of handle it. You know, like it's it's 3-0 and and it looked very workmanlike. You know, you beat Wichita State, Bryant, you beat, Arkansas and I, I didn't look at the scores ahead of this but I didn't feel like anybody really like stressed you or you know it I didn't see any extra inning games in there unless I'm whiffing on it but now you got to go to Oregon State and Oregon State is you know first of all they won the national title in 2006 and 7 it's Pat Casey you know I would argue it's one of the greatest program building jobs in the history of college sports that you could build a powerhouse in baseball in Corvallis Oregon no offense Corvallis and, um, and this team has star power, too, right? Like, Michael Conforto is about to be a first-round pick if he hadn't been already. Matt Boyd is still pitching in the big leagues. I mean, this is a real team, and they are beating you guys 2-1 to one in the ninth. And, you know, you guys are up in the top of the ninth. And, and, again, casual observer, you know, paying attention to your Super Regional, but you're like, okay, this is over. But it wasn't over. And then now all of a sudden you guys are front and center because like, holy crap, what just happened? Like Oregon State was about to win game one on their way to Omaha. And now this is really weird. So, Clem, anything about the postseason. But what I want you to definitely add context to is it's two to one in the ninth. You're losing to Oregon State. It's a hellacious place to play. You almost feel like people are in your helmet. They're so like you guys. I know it's close to the field in Manhattan. There's no place on earth where the fans are closer. Like they're in the batter's box in Corvallis, basically. Um, so, so take us through the end of that game one. And you could do any other part of the postseason if you want, Clem. But I really want to nail the end of game one of that super. Yeah, I'd much rather talk about the regional. Um, <laughs> people ask me all the time when we, when we talk about that season, how long did it take you to get over the super regional loss? And I, my response is always the same. I'll let you know when I get yeah. over it. And, and it's just one of those things. So um, it is hard to talk about. 10 years later um, for me, but uh, game one is, is not as hard because, because we ended up winning that game in, in runes. You remember 2013 is the height of the uh, bad ball, bad bat era. Yeah. And so I think we led the country in, in batting average. Like we hit over 320 as a team, but I think we only hit like 30 home runs. And at K state, when it warms up, it's a great place to hit home runs, but we're, we have the worst bats in the, in the history of college baseball and maybe the worst balls in the history of college baseball. So, but we could really, really hit. And so we're going through that game and we may be the only team in super regional history. We're on a chartered flight from Manhattan to uh, I think we flew into Eugene, whatever, doesn't matter. But Josh Reynolds, our pitching coach, who's now at Cincinnati coach Hill and myself are sitting at the front of the plane and we don't know who we're going to start. Like we game one, we don't know who we're going to start. Like maybe the only team in super regional history that, that, that has, like three hour flight and two hours and 48 minutes of it. We don't know who we're going to start. Joe Flattery starts. And I mean, pitches the game of his life. What? Anyway, it's two to one Boyd starts for them. And obviously a big leaguer and Kip, I don't remember the out situation, but Kiv hits a triple into right center field and slides into third base. And we're still down two to one. And if there is anyone that I have ever coached that loves the, Exact scenario you just spelled out. Fans right on top of you. They do not like you just because you're in the other dugout. They're going to talk about your girlfriend or your mom or your sister or whatever. Kiv is going to talk back to them, and he's going to give it back. So he slides into third base. Mind you, we're down two to one, um, and it's like giving it to a guy over the third base dugout. Hey, Kiv, shut up. <laughs> um, big base hit by Witt up the middle. Um, it's tied. That was with two outs, by the way. It was. There was two outs. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Two and strike hitting. All of a sudden, and in your mind, it is one of those, I don't want to say you're reserved to losing by any stretch, but it's like, oh, we, hit, we haven't done anything all game. And then it's a triple, and it's like, man, Witt, just bleed one in here. And he smokes the ball through the middle of the field, and it's tied. And it's like, holy cow. Well, then we put a four spot on him in the 10th, I think. 
And we yeah, ended up winning right. that game six to two. Uh, and then we're meeting out in right field and uh, we're at Kansas State. And like, it's just one of those things where we're looking around and our players are like, oh, we're just going to do this. Like, we're just, you know, we're going to paint Omaha purple and, and all of that. And um, obviously it didn't work out. We get some, Michael Conforto is the best player on the field. And I think these guys would say the same thing. He hits a couple home runs in game two. We have a freshman pitcher, Blake McFadden, going, um, who gives us everything he has. He His body isn't right, um, and we get smoked in that game. We start our closer in game three, and it's just an epic game um, that we have the winning run at the plate um, to end that thing and just didn't get it done. Um, yeah, and it was, uh, that was a tough one to swallow, for sure. I'm still that not was- over amazing it was just amazing being a neutral observer and that whole thing that it was just not on your radar and then next thing you know you know when you when you said Clem you guys are meeting in right field I felt like that's kind of when America jumped into your super regional because they're like holy crap like what anyway hey Blair you and Kiv are going to go next you go first but feel free to talk about the regional because I don't want to give that short shrift I mean obviously you hosted for the first time and Kansas State is as you know still has only hosted one regional as far as I can remember. Yeah, so um, so we hosted the two seed was Arkansas, who was like the number one team in the country basically all year until they got kind of the second half of the SEC schedule. I think um, they were really frustrated that they were not the host, right? So they're coming in and they're like ready to you know kick the snot out of us. The three seed is Bryant, who at that time was, I mean, I think they had won 45 games or something. I mean, they were were like really, really good, really, you know, really good. Everybody was from up there, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the four seed was Wichita State and Wichita State had won 40 games. I think every team in that regional other than I think actually Arkansas, I'm not sure they were at 40 wins, but um the Wichita state game really worried me because we had played them twice and we had never seen their starter. They're like ace. And that was, I think his name was Caleb Elam. And, and I think he was drafted in the first five rounds, but he was good. And Wichita state at that time, it was like at the tail end of Gene's career, but they were still, they had good players um, and guys that like had high ability. And I was a little nervous about like that game. I was like, we're going to, you know, I've been a K-State fan my whole life, right? Like that stuff happens to K-State, right? It happened in 1998. It's happened. It happened in football in 2013. Like that stuff can happen, right? And so like, or 2012. Um, so I, the first inning, um, we, we start um, a guy named Levi Mavoris. Um, and, uh, and, he, and he gives up a couple runs. Um, and we come to the dugout and... I, I said a couple things, probably pretty fired up. All right. I'll take over from here. And I'll, fill, I'll fill in the gaps on this. Uh, really good offense, freshman kid pitching, and he gives up a couple to Wichita State, and Blair is such a fan. But Wichita State ruins, like, every kid in the Midwest for my entire existence. You yeah. want to go, you know, Casey Blake and Darren yeah. Dreifer. Like, you want to go play at Wichita State, Gene Stevenson, the whole thing. Mavoris gives up a couple runs in the first and comes in and says something to the effect of, I got this, guys. We're all right. Blair grabs him by the shirt, pushes him against the back of the dugout, and says, sit down. We got this. So that, <laughs> that wasn't going to yeah. come out of his mouth. Yeah. So you can uh, – and, and then, and then the, the – I mean, and then I think we scored seven runs in the first inning. I mean, we just came back and just lit. And it's probably what needed to happen. Like, looking back, like, that's what needed to happen. We needed to have that happen in the first inning. So we just laid our ears back and just got after it. And all the nerves went out the window because we were like, here we go. We got to hit ourselves back into it. And I think we beat them like by like 20 something to four. I can't remember. I mean, you probably know what it is. Um, so then we play, we were expecting to play Arkansas and they have a guy that was playing on that team. That's still a big leaguer. He's from Kansas city. Right? What? Standing. Yeah. Ryan Sinek, All-American, Friday night starter, like everything, you know, like throwing 98 to 100, whatever. And they didn't pitch in the first game against Bryant because they were holding them for us, and they lost. And so so we play Bryant. Um, they play us really tight. We end up winning that game. And then we get um, Arkansas in, in game three. Um, 
And I mean, it was a tight, tight game. Like, I mean, the guy that they were throwing was really good. Um, I don't, I don't remember who it was. Um, it was just a, it was a, it was a, it was a battle. And I think, um, I think they actually, we won on a, or we scored a leading run late in the game on another kind of like wild pitch kind of thing. Like they were like trying to pitch out or they were trying to walk somebody and they threw it to the backstop, whatever. Um, but like at that time that that year was kind of like just that special, you know, it just felt like it was kind of not going to be stopped. Um, I'll touch like really quickly on the super regional, the thing that I think about the most. So the middle of the order against Oregon state, really the whole order, but like I was calling all the pitches. I really had a tough time calling pitches against Michael Conforto and Dylan Davis. Like those two guys, I felt like if, if I did not mix enough and pitch off and like, like nibble, like, I mean, if you leave like a, it didn't matter. Like he could be set up for a changeup. And if you left it above his knees, dude, he was hitting it over the right. I mean, it was, I've never, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, he was incredible. That's why he's still playing in big leagues. Um, But there was a play that um, I think their shortstop made, or maybe fish made somebody made a play up the middle in game three. And it was like a huge out. And it was one of those times where like you're you're in this moment and it's like this surreal thing. You feel like you're kind of outside of your body, out of body experience kind of thing. And you're like, here are two groups. There's 18 guys that are playing this game right now. And they're playing the best baseball of their whole careers. Like, like, I mean, even the play that, I mean, nobody wants to bring it up, but the play that Conforto made to throw me out at home was an incredible play. Like, the ball was underneath him and like he knew that he couldn't like wait on it. So he dives and like traps it and stands up and like he had thrown a ball almost out of the stadium on Friday in that same situation. And he like gets up and throws like a 95 mile hour heater to throw me out at home, you know? And I think like, that was just, I will always remember that my whole career, like my whole life is like the feeling of that game three. It was like, everybody was so locked in. Yep. And like the zone was good. Like the guy wasn't, the guy wasn't bad behind the dish. And it was like, everybody was just like, um, and I, I remember like I had a, I had an AB late in the game against Matt Boyd and he had thrown a fastball and, and it was by me and I was so nervous and I fouled it like straight to the side. And I, and I remember stepping out thinking like, this is like the pinnacle of your career. Like you've yeah. got to like, take a breath and go have fun, right? Boyd, awesome. Boyd started game one and relieved in game three. Yeah. That, that's also yeah. when I knew, like, that's also when I knew we were in the big time because, like, the dude had thrown, like, seven innings a day ago. And, yeah. like, that Casey brings him back out. Because, like, you know, the dude's going to be a first-rounder, right? And he's, like, yeah. bringing it back out for game three. I, I, we were in a heavyweight fight. It was pretty Yeah. Strange. That's the best way to subscribe. Like super regionals are heavyweight fights. They're just it's like the best at the best at their peak yep. of their powers. Hey yep. Kiv, I want you to I want you to wrap with this. You can go wherever you want with this, but like I, I you know I, I, not to to blow smoke up your TP, but I will. Like your personality from the outside, your personality, your the, the confidence and swagger that you played with from the outside felt really important to this team. And then like you guys are hosting a regional for the first time. Like that's a real thing. Like there's real data that would show us that teams that host their first regional can struggle with that. You know, like that's a lot. It's a very different experience, but I feel like not having been there, the, the, this, your kind of vibe, your energy helps prevent a team from capitulating to that. So I'm just curious your take as, you know, you're not a kid that grew up in Kansas. You didn't even know what Manhattan Kansas was. But now you're the leadoff hitter and the Big 12 player of the year for this team that's going to be hosting a regional. Just any observations you have from that experience or things that you thought that were important that you were going to bring to the party to, to help with that? Man, I I talked to Beery. <laughs> My position coach at the time was Drew Beery, and, and he had played a ton of baseball in the Meyer Leagues and was probably on the fast track to being a big league catcher and blew out his thumb or else you know, he wasn't going to be our coach. And he was kind of, besides Clem, the guy that I went to the most. And there was nerves. I mean, before the regional more than the super regional. But I just, everyone, whenever we get together, Runes, they always talk about all these stories and, like, they remember. And for me, I'm like, man, why do I not remember that? The only thing I really remember 
was Beery coming up to me before the regional and saying, hey, if you act different, this whole group's going to act different. So don't be, you know. And I was like, yeah, he's right. Like, there's no reason for me to act any different or be nervous because that's how it'll go down from a freshman starting a Friday night regional game or guys that haven't won state championships that are playing in the biggest, you know, event of the summer. And uh, ever since he said that, it was kind of like an act as if moment. Like, hey, if you don't play good, you still have to yell at a fan or you still have to argue with (laughs) my father. You still have to to make Clem nuts and and be on the top step. And if they think it's eyewash, that's okay because it's their eyewash, right? Like it's our group's eyewash. And uh, I never felt after that moment like the moment was too big for any of us. And that was awesome. I think that was probably the the biggest um, eye-opening thing from when I when we were in Omaha in 21 with when I was with Tennessee, like same deal. That's kind of how I, I told Clemens actually, like we were on the charter flight. It didn't feel like the first time since you know 05 that we were they were going to Omaha. It just felt like right. another game. And when I walked into the clubhouse, and that was the old regional rules where you couldn't even have your clubhouse. It, right. it was crazy. So you walk in, you're getting changed. It's the same music, it's the same guys, the same people talking about last week's finals and, you know, kites on Thursday with the specials. And it's the same, it's the same deal. And kites uh, is the bar coach for any, no, it's a restaurant. It was, a, it was a food deal for you guys. <laughs> and, uh, it was a bar thing. It was a food deal. God. And I think that was probably um, when Beery brought, brought that to my attention was probably when I was like, Hey man, if, if there's anything I need to do this weekend, it's, bi wash and, and that sounds crazy and, and it ended up that's working out but amazing I, I tricked it a lot that because that's when guys were starting to really go on our, in our group and i was starting to hit the the plateau and uh the bat speed was slow and, and got slower <laughs> and, and when you're facing andrew moore throwing downhill tilt at 94 and and yeah you're, you're like look at this guy he looks like a kid from recess and then it's 94 and it's like that that's down and they're like no it's literally down the middle like ask the espn commentator Alex Cora literally just told the people at home, it's right down the middle. (laughs) I I think uh, that's one thing I remember is that group was never overwhelmed. It was never too big for them. And honestly, this sounds nuts. And I'm sure every group that doesn't get to Omaha or loses in a regional or a tough super regional says the same thing. There was no doubt that we were going to go to Omaha. Like I had never once felt when Arkansas gets put into our regional and and their staffs hooting and hollering about the turf and how they can't host because it's not big enough and it, the whole nine yards and like reading the clips and the, the tweet because Twitter's just starting to really roll now. Well, now it's X or whatever, but it, it, it never was bulletin board material because our group was just like, I, this sounds crazy, but they didn't care. It was just, yeah. we, we were going to go to Omaha and it doesn't matter who we play. Cause that's what we're supposed to do. That's what coach Hill keeps telling us we're going to do. So we're going to do it. Like it was programmed in us August 22nd, when we got onto that turf at 108 and we ran those things until the sun went down, it was programmed that the task is this and you need to complete the task. And uh, I get, I get emotional about it just cause I, I, I don't know how you talk about it, Clem. I hate it. And it, it, I've been to Omaha since. You've won a national title since. Um, Blair's moved all across the world <laughs> and, and has two kids. And, like, that any time. You watch both of you in together, person coach at Omaha. It, it's it's miserable. It, it's like – yeah. It, but at the same time, it's so awesome because we get to jump on with you and, and tell ghost stories and um, recognize some guys that are – really successful husbands and brothers and businessmen and they're killing it off that team. And a lot of it is because of what that makeup was and their character is what pushed. We didn't have a culture issue. There was no changing of any culture. It was, we were going to come and do the task and we loved being around each other. And yeah. it was awesome. That's awesome. I, I will tell you guys that um, the D one guys make fun of me for this because I'm always a little like after the super regional weekend every year, I'm always a little melancholy and you know, you're getting ready to go to Omaha, but like I've been in that deal where it's like, you have this team of your lifetime that loses in a super regional and you're right. Like you just, I, every year I'm heartbroken all over again. And I'm, so I'm trying to like be my own therapist and be happy for the eight teams that are advancing, but I'm still like crushed for the eight teams that aren't. And 
Um, it, it's just, but the conversation tonight is what makes the whole thing so great, right? Like just the, you know, it's cliche, but the relationships really are the true gold. And we all, you know, we all want to win and go to Omaha, but this, thank you guys so much for doing this. This was incredible. I, I think we, we all need college sports therapy at times these days because there's so many headlines about stuff that isn't fun. And I look at the three of you guys. I think about that team, how special it was doing something that never been done before. I look at your three careers that are just, you know, going so well. You guys are, are, are doing so many great things in your careers in college sports. And I just, you know, I, I think many, many people will enjoy this conversation. But my heart is full. Like, this is so awesome. Um, I was excited to do this, but I, I, you guys crushed it. I, th this has been super, super cool. And, and again, mentioning all the names, like you said, Kiv, uh, just, just absolutely incredible. So really appreciate you guys doing this really good. Happy to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks awesome. For, thanks for having us and thinking of us. Yeah, this is great. Really cool. Hey, uh, let's wrap it there so we can keep it just over an hour. Uh, we will be back next week. Next week's guests are going to be TJ Bruce and, and Travis Jewett, who have really interesting backgrounds. They both have national championship rings. They have head coaching experience. They're back to being assistants, West Coast roots. So really fun um, to do that. This whole, all these, the 10 Sunday nights, I, I can't wait for. Thanks again to our friends at Netting Pros. Uh, and that's it. Everyone have a great week, and we will catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast.